Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 207, Beware of Bad Dating Advice. I am on Instagram a lot, not going to lie, and I have been seeing some really shitty dating advice as of late. And to be honest, I really don't follow other relationship coaches, breakup coaches, dating coaches, finding love coaches, just because I like to stay in my own lane. I'm not really interested in copying someone else or being influenced by what another dating coach has to say. Always interested in engaging. And, you know, other coaches have had me on their podcast, but I just want to make sure that I'm thinking for myself and my own clients and my own audience and not, oh, well, if this person is saying this and getting all kind of messed up in my head. But I follow a lot of influencers and podcasters, and they have a lot of quote-unquote dating experts. You hear me chuckling, and I'm certainly not saying I'm the only dating heartbreak relationship expert out there. There, are, I, I, You know what? I even take it back. I follow Create the Love, and I follow ooh, Vienna Farrow, I believe her name is. I could be botching these names. I do follow some people who aren't necessarily coaches, I think actually Mark, the guy who has Create the Love, I think he might lead some kind of coaching. He's just very different from me, but I don't follow female coaches similar to me selling the same kind of thing, doing the same kind of thing. I'm I'm always here for an inspirational quote or deep thinkers on relationships. Anyway, none of that is neither here nor there. The bad dating advice I'm seeing is really from people who are guesting on podcasts or on Instagram lives or certain influencers who I follow who consider themselves experts. And I was really irritated by, and I'm not going to say who, because I'm not here to shit on people directly, but I was really irritated by one particular dating expert who I've known of for a really long time. And I actually don't agree with majority of what this person says. I think this person gives a lot of shock value opinions for people to kind of go, oh my God, well, this person thinks this and they have a huge following. So what they're saying must be gospel. And I think it's really fucking dangerous to give this shock value advice and shock value opinions. And I'll get into what I mean by that in a second and then have very vulnerable, young, impressionable, lost, sad, lonely, confused souls take that very seriously and apply it to their lives and potentially sabotage a really great connection because People like this one particular person I'm thinking of as I'm as I'm referencing this person, you know, because they think that this is the way it should be. And if it doesn't go that way, then you should leave. That is just so fucked up. And again, I think it's truly dangerous and irresponsible for lost souls on the Internet. And, you know, I 
think many of you listening to me on this podcast can feel lost and confused and directionless and broken and sad. And you're looking for me to give you some great nugget that can make you feel better. And I think that's a great thing. And I think that's a great thing to follow beautiful accounts and intelligent accounts, but pay attention to who they're interviewing and know that your mind always comes first. And this is really tricky for me to say, because if you're in a narcissistic abusive relationship or you're pining for someone who's very abusive and narcissistic abusive, I'm I'm thinking of a client who truly was in the most abusive relationship I've ever coached somebody on. And there also comes a time where you need someone to shake you straight. And I don't physically shake my clients. I don't even meet with my clients in person. But she was so far gone and so manipulated and gaslit by him, she couldn't see straight. And all she wanted was for him to come back. So I had to snap her back to reality again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I was constantly telling her, if he tells you that the sky is green, you would fucking agree, even though deep down you know that that's not right. That's a very extreme scenario. So as always on this podcast, I do my best to deliver at the highest level, serve at the highest level, offer my expert advice. I do consider myself an expert, but to please take it all with a grain of salt, get professional help. If for some reason you don't think I'm the right fit for you, I'm currently offering uh, uh, spots in my group program, as well as one-on-one coaching, you can head to ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com. But I am very careful now more than ever after doing this podcast for four years, many of you have been listening for a while, know that I've started to delete earlier episodes because I myself have been guilty of making very black and white dangerous statements. And I don't say dangerous as in life-threatening, but dangerous in the sense that you could be sabotaging a really good thing or sabotaging your relationship with yourself because you heard something that I said or some dumbass said, and I have said some dumbass things. So I'm taking responsibility here too. And I will fuck up again. I just shared on my last episode, you know, I'm going to make mistakes as a coach and that's okay, but I'm going to really try my best and I'm going to walk it back and I'm going to delete old shit. And I'm just going to take very seriously what I say and really consider the effects that that has on a bunch of people following me and listening to me taking that very seriously and perhaps applying that to a situation where they shouldn't apply it. And look, at the end of the day, I can't control how you guys perceive what I say and what you do, but I do think it is irresponsible for quote unquote experts. I say quote unquote experts because I just don't think some of them are good at their jobs. To It's really important to think about, you know, how that lands. And I think the niche of heartbreak dating and relationships is a very sensitive niche. It's a very vulnerable niche. Uh, it's not the same as, you know, a lot that I learned from a business coach and applying. I've said this before. I think I learned a lot from my business coach about how to grow my business and how to attract clients. And I applied a lot of what I learned to dating and date coaching on dating and coaching on heartbreak. Attracting clients is very similar to creating your ideal person. However, 
the sensitivity and the vulnerability and the privacy and how personal it is and how heavy that can feel, I think is very different than, you know, a new coach learning how to grow her business. Now, some new coaches, again, I could tear the arse out of this. Some new coaches are terrified to put themselves out there. It is very vulnerable. It is very scary to say who they are and put themselves out there and sell their coaching on social media. That brings up a lot of stuff. But I've just changed a lot in how I see heartbreak dating and relationships, how I coach on heartbreak dating and relationships. And I'm really sick of idiot asshole, self-serving experts saying shock value things to get a rise out of very innocent victims listening and following and not really taking responsibility and ultimately potentially fucking up something really, really good. So specifically, one of the things that really irritated me was that I was following this account and this expert was being interviewed. Again, I'm not going to say names. And, you know, they were like, how do you like lock it down by getting a ring on it. And the person said, you know, by month nine, when it's month nine, you need to just put it out there and say, I'm a traditional girl. This is what I'm looking for. You know, what are your thoughts about us getting engaged? And if he doesn't give you a response within 10 seconds that, of course, I'm thinking of a ring, of course, I'm going to be proposing to you within the next year, then you've got to just start telling him that, you know, maybe we should be reconsidering this relationship and start to really pull back. 10 seconds, 10 seconds he has to respond and give you the perfect answer at month nine. It is so black and white. It is so just rigid and fucking unfair and like testing this person who you've been with for nine months. And the irony here is, I think you should be having conversations about the future sooner than nine months, but not this. It has to happen like this. And if he doesn't give the response within 10 seconds, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? And how many women then are like, fuck, I've been dating my man for 15 months and I haven't said anything yet. So now I've got to say this thing because this person says this. It's just you know, I want to give people who follow these accounts and listen also the benefit of the doubt. And maybe perhaps you do obviously have a mind of your own, but I think there are a lot of people who don't. And I think that there's a lot of shitty dating advice. There was also a ton about Valentine's Day. And I'm like, this is just all wrong, in my opinion, all bad. And losing sight of what I think people really want. They want a lifelong partnership with someone who is an amazing human, driven in their own right. Very, They're very attracted physically, mentally, and emotionally. They want the same things. They're each other's best friends, but they have a balance of independence and a life outside of each other. They support each other's endeavors, but they're also signing up for the entire person, i.e., I think of myself joining into a man's life with his four children. I, three and a half years later, don't have a ring on it and live in my own place. You know, I thought things would go very differently in my life. And I think Larry and I thought we would be living together 100% of the time. I know we did. We thought things would move in that direction quicker in our relationship. And it has nothing to do with us, he and I, but it has to do with the entire picture 
and certain factors that are really just too private to share, at least at this point in time. I think there are things that I want to talk about later once we are all moved in and there is a ring on it and, you know, all of that. But he is my person. He is my dream man. He is my partner. He is my best friend. And we each have very big lives and individual variables going on in both of our lives where this works better for us. And, you know, going back to what this quote unquote expert said is like, you know, well, I'm a traditional person. And so this is what I want. I'm a traditional person. I wanted to find the man of my dreams and have babies with him. And yeah, definitely be engaged sooner and living under one roof 100% of the time and get married. I'm, I still think I'm traditional. I'm also very traditional in the heteronormative sense of how the male and the female operate. Like, I want the man to be the man in a lot of ways, and I don't care if that sounds anti-feminist. So you can be traditional and you can be flexible and malleable because you look at the totality of the human who you chose to fall in love with and have a fucking lifetime together with. I'm clearly very heated and impassioned about this topic. And so I'm going to dive right in on five examples of bad dating advice that you need to be aware of, whether you're listening to podcasts, even my older ones. I'm going to try really hard to be way more sensitive that you are factoring in how this might not be the best advice, even if it's coming from a quote unquote expert. One, black and white dating advice. So things like what I just said, you know, if it's gotten to nine months and, you know, you ask, what are your thoughts about engagement? And if he doesn't say this in 10 seconds, like that black and white idea of how it should go is just not okay. Or, you know, if it's like he cancels last minute, this is what you need to do. It's like, okay, but maybe he had a legit reason. Maybe his kid is sick. Maybe he's delayed at work. What if he cancels last minute three times in a row? That's annoying. That's something to have your antenna raise go up about. But then look at the whole picture. Is he saying, I am so sorry. This is not me. I promise I'm going to make it up to you. This is exactly what's going on in work. Maybe he takes a selfie (laughs) of himself at work being like, this is what's happening. I can't make this up. Listen, I really want to get to know you well. I hope you'll give me another chance. I'm very embarrassed. You know, if he overcompensates and is like very clearly communicative, you can't let someone tell you if he cancels last minute, that's a red flag. Very, very, again, dangerous advice. Two, timelines on when to advance the relationship. Now, I have a course. It's not on the shelves right now, but if you join my program or you work with me one-on-one, you get the course. It's called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. Same title as this podcast, 75 videos. I just shot a bonus dating section in October of 2022. I'm recording this in February 2023. Fresh new bonus dating guide section. And yes, by around month three, if he's not interested in exclusivity, I would be a little worried or a lot worried. I'm not going to lie. But some of my clients, one in particular, my client Katie Johnston, she come on the podcast many times. They were exclusive much sooner than what I ever would have recommended. I've talked about this a lot. They were exclusive, I believe, less than a month in. Very unique circumstances. And I totally supported it because it was very grounded and calm and clear. It wasn't possessive, rushed 
and anxiously written in the decision, he came to her and was very cool, calm, and collected and said, I'd like to be exclusive and see where this could go. Katie really thought it out very thoroughly, got coached on it. It was the right decision for her. And lo and behold, they're together, I believe, eight months later now, totally the one for each other. And it's amazing. There are also other couples who things are moving along, but they're, I don't know, long distance or because of the kids, they can't spend that much time together or Maybe it's just slow rolling because there was a lot of travel for one of them or both of them, and it's like a slow, steady boil, and ultimately, they don't decide that they're exclusive for four months or five months. Like, that's okay, too. (laughs) You know? You got to factor in the whole picture so we can have an idea about timelines and not be so attached to them because we're, again, factoring in the whole person and everything that's going on with them and all of you and everything that's going on with you. Three, expectations of how he's supposed to deliver on your birthday or holidays. I came up with this one for two different reasons. I'm actually recording this episode on Valentine's Day. And all the things that people are saying about Valentine's Day, like, yeah, I did a couple of reels, how to manage Valentine's Day as a single woman, how to manage Valentine's Day if you're navigating heartbreak. But really, at the end of the day, it's fucking February 14th. It's a makey-uppy holiday. And I get it. It can be triggering. I'm not diminishing if you're sad and lonely and you're thinking about last year's Valentine's Day. But, you know, I think what I find to be problematic is when these experts are saying, he knows it's Valentine's Day. Like, shit is everywhere. There's pink and hearts and flowers and roses and chocolates and teddy bears being sold all over the place. It's in your face. He can't not know it's Valentine's Day and therefore he should be delivering. And it's like, how long have you been dating this person? Uh, Is he a Valentine's person? I just had a friend reach out to me and she referenced Valentine's Day and she was like, well, because I'm Jewish, I actually don't, you know, observe Valentine's Day. I didn't even know that. You know, there could just be. So what if you're dating a Jewish guy and like Valentine's Day is literally nothing to him, but he's into you and he shows up and he's romantic in and of his own right. Like really stepping back and looking at the whole person and if he doesn't do what you would like on Valentine's Day, is that a deal breaker? I also shared on last week's episode, 12 Years Since Rock Bottom, and things that I've learned along the way since my rock bottom relationship. You can head to episode five to hear what that's all about if you don't know about that relationship that really led me onto this path of becoming a heartbreak coach and a finding love coach. I realized how little I care about grandiose gestures and presence and like being spoiled. And I'm not saying if your love language is gift giving or a top love language is gift giving that there's something wrong with that. But a perfect example of this was that it was my birthday last week and Larry had been away with his two boys for a basketball camp. He also got his house repainted, all the walls on the inside. So everything was turned upside down, all the pictures off the wall, all the furniture moved away from the walls. He also had a procedure that he was getting done. So I had to come in and just be there and let him rest and kind of take charge with the kids. And it it ended up being like nothing, but we had to kind of prepare for if he needed to like really be resting and all of that stuff. I'm like, this man did not make reservations for my birthday. 
because <laughs> my birthday was the following weekend. And I'm like, and guess what? I can do that myself. So I took it upon myself to make reservations at these beautiful restaurants in Santa Barbara that I wanted to go to. And to be fair, he had asked me probably a few weeks out if we wanted, if he, I wanted us to go away for that weekend. And I truly just wanted to stay and be low key. And I said, I just want to go to like some really nice restaurants that we normally wouldn't go to on the regular. And I just took care of it for myself. He's my best friend. He's my man. He's my everything. He's my love. And he is a maxed out fucking man. And he was extra maxed out that week. And I have no problem taking charge for my birthday plans. If it's one thing off my man's plate, who gives me the world and more on a regular basis. Of course, he acknowledged my birthday. He gave me very generous, beautiful presents and flowers and a beautiful card and treated me obviously all weekend. But you know, these little things that people pick apart and make meaning of like, oh, well, if he doesn't do this for my birthday and he doesn't do this for Valentine's Day and you want to like make it a problem in your relationship, I personally think is bullshit. Again, when you step back and you look at the whole person, I heard about another couple uh, breaking up recently and the straw that broke the camel's back was that he didn't get her a present for her birthday. And it was someone else telling me the story. And I was like, please tell me there's more to the story than he just didn't get her something for her birthday. And the person said, of course, right? It's not about that. If there are other things underneath it, address the real issues, not these like surface issues that at the end of the day really shouldn't be making or breaking a relationship in my humble opinion. Four, deciding he's not available because of his relationship history or lack thereof. You know, if Larry decided that I wasn't an available person for him because of my relationship history, I would have been fucked. Every relationship that really mattered to me in my 20s and my 30s before Larry blew up in my face. I was brokenhearted. Like the people who mattered to me, they were the ones who broke my heart. I'm a six on the Enneagram. I'm the loyalist slash skeptic, loyal to a fault. I had stayed in lots of longer term relationships with unavailable men, just needing it to stick because when I love, I just decide I love that person. My blinders are completely up. I'm painting green over the red flags. And so, yeah, if he thought, my relationship history had to dictate what our relationship was going to look like, I would have been fucked because I was with one unavailable person after the next. Also, there was a lot of drama in those relationships. And I'm not a liar. I tell whoever I'm dating where I'm at, what my relationship history is. So I would have been fucked if he judged my relationship history and used my relationship history as a reason for us to not work. Same goes for him. Not even officially divorced two years out of his marriage. And obviously, I knew it was underway and he was finalizing it only a few months later into our relationship, you know, with four young kids. It could have been so easy. I cannot tell you guys how many fucking people said, whoa, like not officially divorced. Whoa, four kids under the age of 11. That's a lot. That's a lot. And hey, I'm here to tell you three and a half years later, it is a lot. And they are so fucking beyond worth it. It is a lot overnight to step into this role for them and for him. And what I get back in return, you know, that's what people don't go to. They jump to the negative. They don't jump to like the fucking love that I receive. And also how amazing his ex-wife is. Like she gave me a birthday present. It's like not what everybody else would sign up for, but 
I did because of the love that Larry gives me and the man he is and the partner he is and the best friend he is to me. Also, the father he is, even the lawyer he is. It totally turns me on how fucking smart and brilliant and driven he is. So judging someone based on their past relationships, I think, is totally unfair. Now, I always say there's an exception to every rule. I talk about this one guy I went on a few dates with, was very attracted to him. He was divorced with kids. And, you know, it just became clear to me that he really hadn't learned much from his last relationship or even the relationship since his last relationship. He seemed very unconscious. He admitted to cheating on his wife and didn't really seem to have any remorse about that and just kind of tossed his hands up and said, you know, sometimes relationships work, sometimes they don't. And that wasn't going to work for me either. But I wasn't judging him on his relationship history. I was judging him based on his lack of growth and healing. And I didn't feel confident that he was going to show up differently or that he had lived and learned. So it's not their relationship history or even their lack thereof. I have clients who are such amazing catches and they haven't had a relationship in 10 years. I hadn't had a real relationship since my rock bottom relationship nine years prior to meeting Larry. I had little short-lived relationships throughout my 30s before I met Larry at 38. But again, if he had judged me on that, like I hadn't said I love you to a man since my rock bottom relationship at 30 years old. And I said I love you for the first time at almost 39, nine years later. So thank God Larry didn't judge me for that. Thank God I didn't judge him for his history. I just evaluated, is this man ready now? And we talked deeply. We spoke deeply about how we wanted to show up differently in a new relationship and got really that much more clear on what we wanted in our next relationship, which made me so confident to move forward with him. And the last one, number five, the expectation that he should connect with you first on the apps, ask you out first and or pay. As I said earlier, I am a traditionalist when it comes to heteronormative relationships and dating. I appreciate the man paying. Uh, My dear friend Jamie and I, who just did the recent alcohol series with me, we also did an episode called Who Should Pay on the First Date. I prefer when the man pays on the first date. I'm also an independent woman and I'm happy to treat Larry, happy to treat him and the kids and, you know, contribute. But there are certain things that I prefer. I also like the, the, the man to ask the woman out first. And yeah, wouldn't it be nice for us ladies if the man did the icebreaker first? But look, Bumble is one of the main dating apps out there. And the woman, if you're swiping on, you know, if you're swiping on men, the woman does have to say the first line first. She has to do the icebreaker first. So that's totally neutral. And you get to make meaning out of it or not make meaning out of it. I am totally fine if one of my clients has just been going back and forth, hitting it off for no longer than 72 hours. But for whatever reason, we have no idea why he's not asking you out. You could just say, hey, I got to get going. I would love to continue this conversation in person. You know, let me know if you're around for a drink. You are a drink or coffee, whatever. If you don't drink, whatever 
to your liking. It doesn't mean a thing if you ask the person out first, especially if you're hitting it off, you like the profile, and it just seems like he's not asking for whatever reason. You're also being, and I did an episode a couple of weeks back called When the Work Isn't Working 2.0, and you feel like you're showing up differently, but you're not seeing the immediate results. This is the work working. When you are grabbing your dating life by the balls, I like to say by the balls, I don't care if you think it's anti-feminist, you're grabbing your dating life by the balls and just saying, hey, like, I'm not going to continue this pen pal exchange. I'm going to you know, throw the ball in your court, let me know. And then your part is done. Same with the paying. I'm going to be completely honest. I really don't love (laughs) when you split the bill, especially on a first date. I, I, and I've been there where people have done that and I've been like, oh no, like, you know, I can pay or whatever. It gets a little awkward, but if the whole picture of the person and like the whole date went really well. Like I'm thinking of one date I went on, we split it. He suggested we split it after I was like, oh, I can, you know, pay too. And he said, well, why don't we split it? I said, sure. The second date, he invited me over and he was a gentleman. I didn't think that he was like, oh, come over and we can have sex. And and that did not happen. And he didn't even try. So there you go. But I, I wouldn't always say go over to someone's house on the second date right away. But he wasn't giving me I want to fuck you vibes. And he did this whole beautiful spread at his place with cheese and nuts and like a whole charcuterie board and beautiful wine and, you know, totally took care of me that night. So, you know, didn't love the splitting, but we got along great. Ultimately didn't work out. That's another separate conversation. But, you know, you also have to consider, let's say this person is an amazing person, but he's not fully financially where he wants to be. Maybe he's in grad school. Maybe he is really ambitious, but, you know, he's not in a position where he can fully, you know, take care of you financially. I know a lot of women don't love that either. But again, I'm just asking you to stretch your brain and be flexible. And if you have an amazing night with someone and you happened to split the bill or you had an amazing night with someone who you happened to ask out first, is that really that big of a fucking deal? I don't think so. And I don't think it's going to mean that that person couldn't possibly be your person. And if, you know, money seems to be an issue and that person is your person or you're really into that person, you could also have an honest, vulnerable, awkward, uncomfortable conversation once you've gotten to know each other better so that you can communicate on how it's going to work for you guys when it comes to money. And if everything else is amazing. He makes you laugh. The sex is off the charts. He consistently shows up. He wants to know everything going on in your day. He's working his ass off. He's getting somewhere, right? It's not, I I think like the, the whole money thing gets tricky and hairy for people, but maybe he's really ambitious in his own right. And you know, he's super intelligent and he's working his ass off and he's in a bit of a transition and everything else is amazing. Are you going to just be like, no, I can't, I can't. And some people will say, yeah, no, that is me, Claire. Own it like a champ. And then don't go into Debbie Downer energy of, oh my God, it's so hard or whatever. It's like, okay, but you have this amazing man in front of you. And you're deciding that because he's in a bit of a financial transition 
you know, and you're solid in your finances, you know, maybe you would want to revisit that. And I'm not saying that that's settling. I'm saying actually the opposite of that. Cause I think some people could look at me and think, oh, Claire got to 38 and she realized she probably, you know, won't have kids. So it was just easier to sign up for this man and his four kids. Fuck no. That was a really big decision for me. That was not settling. I don't want any other option. If someone said, hey, like, it's not going to work out, but we're going to give you someone just as dreamy as Larry and you can have your own kid. I couldn't imagine being with anyone better than Larry. And I don't want my own kid. I want his kids. And I say that in a non-creepy way and not disrespectful to (laughs) their mom, who I really appreciate and respect. And she's just, I, I feel very, very lucky. So Um, But I mean, I want my life with him and his kids because I've chosen all of him. And and that's what I'm stretching your brains to consider because it's easy to just hear from people like these things shouldn't be okay. So just to recap, beware of black and white dating advice, specific timelines on when to advance the relationship, people telling you what your expectations of how he's supposed to deliver on your birthday or the holidays, and people telling you, oh, well, he's not available because of his relationship history or lack thereof because the relationship history is going to give you so much information about how he's going to be with you. It's not that. It's how he has healed and grown and learned from the relationship history or lack of relationship history and how clear he is about what he wants now in a relationship and paying attention to those words lining up with his actions. And finally, the expectation that he should connect with you first on the apps and ask you out first and or pay. It's all bullshit and shock value. There's so much more to a person than these itty bitty nitty gritty little things that people make way more meaning out of and could potentially write off someone truly, truly amazing. So I hope this episode helped you. If you want more guidance and coaching, I hope that you will head to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on the work with me page and apply to work with me one-on-one or to my group. So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love. Are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.